Ladies and gentlemen, fans of the golden era of wrestling, welcome back to the Hour of Power. We're back live on Blog Talk Radio with another heart-pumping episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the lifetime babyface, Tommy Fierro. <laughs> you know it, man. Lifetime babyface for sure. Listen, I think a heel Tommy would be quite enjoyable, man. But for everything you do for 80s fans, you got to be a baby face. So tell me, Tommy, you're coming off of a very busy weekend. Monday Night Virtual was live and in action just a few days ago. How's your week been over there in New Jersey? Busy, man, because we have a big weekend coming up here at the Wrestling Collector Superstore this Saturday. And we're going to be having Haku appearing from 2 to 5 p.m. And on Sunday, we have the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and Typhoon. They'll be here this Sunday at the Wrestling Collector from 12 to 3. And then, like you just mentioned, we had J.J. Dillon virtually live this Monday night. It was a really good show, man. He's a great, great, great talker, behind the scenes, uh, super nice guy, super friendly, um, very, very easy to work with. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed talking with him and uh, working with them, and I'm looking forward to doing some more stuff with them as well. Well, I was tuned in on, on Monday Night Virtual for the J.J. Dillon session, and yeah, the man has got a wealth of knowledge because he's experienced or been near just about every big thing that happened while we were growing up watching the sport. And I noticed a few times it was hinted at that you would be doing some more stuff with J.J. in the future. Do we get any inside information, or is it kind of a wait-and-see game for us fans? Uh, it's to be wait-and-see. The, the, the good thing is, is that I'm in New Jersey, and he's in Baltimore, so he's, he's local, local, whereas, I mean, you don't have to fly him in and, and all that stuff. So it's a lot easier to work with talent doing stuff with them when they're within a driving distance. So I, I like to do – I have great relationships with anyone – up this way that, you know, that's had TV exposure or, or name value in the wrestling business uh, that live in, you know, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, anywhere in this area where they can, anywhere in this area where they're, you know, locally based. It's a plus for me because again, no airfare, no hotel, and it's easier access to do stuff with them. So uh, JJ lives in, in Baltimore and, and it, it definitely would love to do some stuff with them in the future. Absolutely. You know, and what's cool with a guy like J.J. is, like I said, he's been around, he's seen a lot of cool stuff, and the stuff that he's seen and been a part of, there's fans like you and I that are still dying to hear inside stories behind the scenes, find out what it was like from the people who lived it. And so I just love the fact that there's guys like J.J. Dillon who are still willing to go meet fans, tell these stories, share their stories, because we, we've acknowledged it in the, in the past episodes that the people we grew up watching, you know, they're getting up there in age and things happen and we're all too familiar with the passing of legends. And so there's going to come a day when the people that lived it are no longer around to tell their stories. So I love that why they're here. They're willing to do it. And last Monday night was phenomenal to listen to J.J. Dillon tell stories and share insights. Uh, a lot of the stuff he shared was things that maybe as fans, we didn't pick up uh, on the screen because 
he talked about what was going on in the locker room between certain talents and conversations that they would have to have to make a storyline go a certain way. And so that kind of stuff for wrestling fans will always be interesting. And so we live in a very cool time where we get to hear these stories and relive these glory days. Absolutely. And I, I know we have a, a few callers on hold already. Just real quickly wanted to say uh, the, the coolest part, Jay, having them there, if you think about it, he was telling me off off the air how, you know, every weekend he would be at Vince's house uh, for for meetings. You know, that's when they did their booking was on the weekend. So he was telling me, like, he, he couldn't even make plans uh, on a weekend with his with his family because Saturday and Sunday, you know, he would be over there all the time. And Or if he, he, he didn't make plans because he could be doing something and Vince would call and say, come on over to the house. So he had to keep his weekends open and, you know, just – there's not that many people walking the earth that have that knowledge and experience and, and stories to tell about, you know, being so close to Vince and being, you know, pretty much his, his right hand man at the time. So he, he's lived a, a very, very interesting career and uh, extremely knowledgeable of the business. And yeah, it was really cool. But uh, without any further ado today, we're talking about the career and the life and times of one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And we decided on this topic from last week's episode when one of our faithful callers, Danny from Butler, called in and we asked him what he he would like to hear this week, and he said Ricky Steamboat. Uh, And without further ado, Danny from Butler is our first caller of the morning. Danny, welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking the career of one of the greatest ever, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Tommy, Jumping Jay, good morning. Uh, do you guys hear me? Danny, we hear you, brother. All right, no, I, I'm on the Bluetooth right now because I'm on the road, so I wasn't sure if you if I was getting cut off. But um, uh, it's a pleasure, like always. I look forward uh, to this uh, day every week, uh, you know, trying to be the first one. I'm glad I am, and, you know, what a... Uh, great topic today i'm you know you know i'm honored that i was given the platform to choose and i'm gonna you know we're definitely gonna make the best of it i'm definitely i'm definitely breathing fire today no he's breathing <laughs> fire jay i love he's, it he's come prepared i he love it come prepared so so danny obviously you're you're a fan of ricky steamo since you requested this topic this week here on 80s wrestling the podcast so share with us some of your favorite Ricky Steamboat memories and moments growing up as a kid. Well, obviously, um, you know my, you know, getting when I, getting uh, watching, you know, getting into wrestling at a young age, four or five years old, you know, I, you know, I admired him coming in. Obviously, I I was too young to catch the beginning of his career, you know, back like you know with the NWA, Crockett, Mid Atlantic, all that other stuff. Uh, so, you know, he came around '85. I was four years old and. You know, I just admired him at that time, you know, 85 through 87. You could, uh, you know, is a, you could make a good argument that he's probably the the second most popular superstar to Hulk Hogan at that time. Um, you know, I, I took a liking to him because, you know, obviously tremendous performer. Um, the guy was was so skillful in the ring. You could just say poetry in motion. Um, he had the good looks. Uh, you know, he had the, the dragon moniker. I was a, you know, my father got me into Bruce Lee. Uh, growing up as a kid, so I, you know, that that's another reason why I admire him so much. And, you know, the, you know, if you uh, any person getting into the business, 
Um, if you gave them a crystal ball and and, and they, that ball told them that they're going to have a career uh, that, you know, comparable to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I don't think there's not one person that would not signed up for that. Um, just uh, looking at the, you know, the, you know, you can't, I don't think you could think of a, any bigger baby face, you know, throughout that time. You know, obviously Hogan, you know, I was a big Hogan maniac, but, you know, I always uh, admired the guys that were just masterful with the, you know, in-ring skill, um, his, uh, you know, ability to have a five-star match with, you know, any superstar, um, you know, and his ability to, you know, get the fans behind him. You know, you just, you look at that, that era from 85 to 87, the, the, the fuse that he had with Don Morocco, Jake the Snake, and then, you know, at the, you know, the pinnacle with Randy Macho Man Savage, they all did something dastardly to him that garnered him more support from the fans, whether it was Fuji and Morocco tying him up uh, with, uh, with his belt around the top rope, whether it was Jake DDTing him on the concrete on Saturday night's main event, and then, you know, who could forget our superstars of wrestling when Savage, you know, dropped the timekeeper's bell on his throat, you know, and that set up a, a tremendous storyline and, you know, what led to a, a legendary, you know, battle at WrestleMania three for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I, you know, when, when you look at his time in the WWF, obviously I think he had more success in the NWA, but, you know, when you, you look at his time in the WWF, I guess he, he gained more mainstream notoriety, but I think he was somewhat underutilized. You know, one of the, the darkest uh, days of my childhood when I had to watch him drop the IC title, the, the honky tonk man, not even uh, three months into his reign, whether it was politics, whether it was, you know, him wanting to be away with, uh, you know, to be there with his family. You know, I just felt like they definitely missed the ball because of, you know, the match he had with Savage. They could have kept that ball rolling for, you know, who, you know, three, four, five, six months down the line. And they never really had, they never really had a blow off match to that, you know, from, from WrestleMania three. So, I felt like that he was underutilized, and when he went to the NWA in '89, I was definitely happy to see him get a run with the the World Heavyweight Championship, and you know he, he had those those great matches, that trilogy of matches with Flair, you know, towards the middle of '89, and um, you know, like I said, just one of the great ring performers. You know, I had the the pleasure of meeting him at you know at your WrestleCon two years ago. You know, it was an honor. He was such a you know such a great gentleman. You know, very friendly, and like I said, just one of the great good guys of the business, stand-up guy, and, you know, just a, a pure class act. And that's another episode of 80s Wrestling the po- <laughs> Man, <laughs> he takes it all from us, Jay. This guy, two weeks in a row, has come prepared. Listen, well, I that's love what you it call stealing the show. Listen, I love it when I see Danny's number pop up on the screen because I know he's bringing the fire, and today was no exception. He definitely knows his stuff. Now, Danny, before we let you go to continue this conversation, a little birdie told me you stopped into the Wrestling Collector Superstore recently. Is that true? Yes, sir. I, I, I was there. All right, Danny, I, I have a question for you. I have not had the chance to make it to New Jersey to see this place with my own eyes, so I want to hear it from the source, somebody who shopped there as a fan, as a customer. What are your thoughts? on Tommy's Wrestling Superstore there in New Jersey. Well, let me tell you something. You walk in, uh, you walk into that store, it, it's like being a kid all over again, uh, watching, 
you know, whether it was Saturday Saturday afternoon or Sunday, you know, watching superstars of wrestling or watching a you know wrestling challenge on Sundays, it, it's just you know you bring you you're getting a time castle back into time and just you know there's so much stuff, you know you don't know you know you want to you just want to buy everything you know unfortunately I don't have it I don't have it that well, uh, but you know like I said it, you you come across certain little treasures from time to time. And, you know, there's never a time that I went into Tommy's store that I've walked, uh, I've come out empty-handed. Whether it's a, a action figure, <laughs> a, a title, or, or a magazine, there's always something that you're going to find that whether you had it as a kid or you didn't get your hands on it, it's something that you're going to that you're gonna definitely grab and it's going to take you back to your childhood. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, just, it's, a, it's an experience. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I'll tell you what, Jay, his son Lucas, man, He's six, he's six years old, right, Danny? Uh, yes, he's six. Let me tell you something, Jay. This six-year-old kid, Lucas, he knows everything, and I mean everything, about wrestling. You ask him what the the third match of WrestleMania three was, and he will tell you. Like he he knows his wrestling. He knows every '80s wrestler. He knows their manager. He knows what matches were at WrestleMania. This kid is an Einstein. So. I'm not surprised, Jay, because his daddy knows a little bit about wrestling, too. Listen, man, what do they say? The, the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree, man. Obviously, Danny is raising his son right, raising him on 80s wrestling. I love it. Yep, like I said, uh, that's, the, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the best era. You're never going to be it. You'll never um, duplicate that, that time in uh, professional wrestling. Well, Danny, we appreciate you calling in, man, and thank you for uh, choosing the topic this week here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and his fantastic career. Danny, we'll see you soon, man. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Tommy, Jumpin' Jake, keep up the good work. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. Thank, thank you, brother. brother. What a way to start off the conversation today. Danny from Butler always delivers, always knows the stuff. And as he said today, he was bringing the fire and he did not disappoint. Tommy, what a great start to, to the discussion about Ricky Steamboat this morning. Yeah, and good thing I did my homework this week, Jay, because my man Danny from Butler pretty much uh, rattled off his entire career in a matter of uh, four minutes. But uh, I, I, I did my homework this week, and I wanted to cover the entire career of Ricky Steamboat. And he, he debuted in 1976, Jay, in the AWA under his real name, Rick Blood. And he spent about a year there uh, until he went to championship wrestling from Florida, where Eddie Graham met him and gave him the name Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Well, that wasn't the Dragon, I'm sorry. It was Ricky Steamboat. And it was based off of uh, Sammy Steamboat, who was a Hawaiian wrestler that uh, Ricky Steamboat reminded Eddie of. So that's how he originally got the name Ricky Steamboat. And he would stay, he would stay in Florida for about a year. And then from 1977 to 1985 is when he went to Jim Crockett Promotions. And uh, he, that's where, you know, he got his first taste of, you know, more of the mainstream and then in 1985, talking about mainstream, that's when it happened for him because that's when he went to the WWF when Vince was about to take and launch the WWF nationally. He would go to different territories and promotions, Jay, and he would, he would take talent from here, take talent from there. And obviously, 
if you're doing, uh, if you're in 1985 and you're a Vince McMahon and you're looking around at the other promotions and you're figuring out who you want to have as part of your national launch, I, I think that Ricky Steamboat uh, it was one of the, the best choices he, he definitely could have made at that time. Wouldn't you say so? Listen, in Ricky, you have this guy who's got a great look. He's got a unique look compared to some of the other guys on your roster. He's got charisma. But when it comes to in-ring performance, like even in his younger years in the business, he's just such a natural athlete, such a performer that his in-ring ability is already at the level where you could put him on a mainstream showcase show like the World Wrestling Federation had at the time, and he would fit right in. And so I think, yeah, if you're cherry-picking talent and you want guys that can perform, that have the right look, the right attitude, I would think Ricky had to be at the top of the list when he's, when he's going to these different territories and cherry-picking people. Absolutely. And as you're, as you're telling his story so far, the thing that like jumps out at me right away is that his name, he was born Richard Blood, Ricky Blood. And like, if you're coming up with a wrestling name, Blood's a pretty good start. And so I love the fact that he was born with a great name and they changed his name. And now, I mean, now we can't picture anything but Ricky Steamboat. But having the last name Blood's not a bad deal if you're getting into the wrestling business. And, and actually, I believe that Eddie Graham told uh, Ricky that that blood would be a good last name for a hail, but, uh, but not a baby face and, and talk about being a baby face. Ricky is one of, you know, few wrestlers. If you, I'm, I'm sure you can sit down with a pen and paper and come up with a short list, but not that many wrestlers have never only worked as a baby face for their entire career. And Ricky was, was one of them, you know, and, and I want to get into that conversation because, there's a reason why. I mean, we have to talk about what made him a lifelong babyface because some of the biggest babyfaces in the history of the sport have had at least one heel run. But Ricky had none. He was came in as a babyface, stayed a babyface. A lot of us can't even picture what a heel dragon would have looked like. I'm sure he could have pulled it off because the guy was crazy talented but i want to get into that conversation but first tommy the hotline is lighting up and so i want to give a slam line call the number let's call this let's call it the slam line the slam line all right we got a caller waiting on the 80s wrestling podcast slam line brought to you by the wrestling collector is that overdoing it if i say we're brought to you by your store i might just be shamelessly plugging your business here but anyway the slam The slam line is heating up, so we're going to go to our caller right now. Hello, caller. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. What's your name, and where are you calling from? Hey, Tommy and Jay. It's Joe Puccio on Long Island. How you doing? Hey, Joe. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing well. Doing well, thanks. Enjoying the show. Uh, figured I'd uh, give you guys a quick call just to... Uh, make a few points about uh, Steamboat, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, I think you'd have to say. Uh, you know, first thing, I mean, we, you guys have already been talking about his babyface run uh, that you can, you can count on one hand, the amount, of, the amount of performers who have been faced their entire career. Uh, you know, maybe like a Tito Santana as well comes to mind. But, 
Yeah, I think I just think uh, he was the consummate face. I mean, his uh, with his his ring style, his looks, uh, his his way that he his 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 way that he sold uh, in the ring. I just thought was always incredible. It was really great to to, to basically sell uh, for the heel the entire match until he made his his fiery comeback. Uh, I think that really helped him out as well in that role. Uh, and you know, as far as I know, I, I seem to remember hearing a story that I think um, he wanted to uh, to do it to do a, a heel run at one point in his career. And I think it was Pat Patterson who was booking at the time. Uh, obviously, I think Patterson uh, rejected him, and he said that you know it wouldn't work. Uh, the fans would never go for you. Would, would never go for that move. That you're you're basically a lifetime heel. Uh, you know, at that point. So it's interesting because, I, I mean, you kind of got to agree with Patterson in that sense, but at the same time, it, I have to admit, it would have been really interesting to see what he would have done in a, in a heel role. Uh, you know, would it have worked, would it not have worked, but obviously we'll, we'll never know at this point. But, um, you know, uh, it's like a kind of a double-edged sword. You Joe, let me, to, Joe, let, Joe, let me ask you a question. Do you yeah. think it would work? You know... I, um, at that time, uh, you know, you're talking like the mid eighties or mid to late eighties in the WWF. Um, I'm sure WWF creative was so great at that time. You know, it was the epitome of their, of the, of, of how creative they were with, with Patterson and Vince uh, doing most of it. I think they probably would have made it work. I'm sure they would have came up with a, with an interesting storyline, uh, you know, that how could he turn against the fans after all this time? Um, I just don't think it would have lasted that long. Maybe it would have been a quick heel run, uh, and then he would have eventually had to go back face. You know, uh, it definitely would have been would have been interesting to see. I'm sure. I'm sure at that time uh, they were so great with their stories. Uh, they they probably would have made it would have made it work. I mean, do you, do you think so? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I it's hard to say because I never saw Ricky as a perform as a heel before, so I don't know how how he would do. I, I'm sure as far as the story te- uh, the storytelling part goes as far as the uh, the angle that WWF would have done back then. I mean, back then we say me and Jason is on the show all the time. Like there was no newsletters or internet or anything like that back then. Like you were programmed to think the way they wanted you to think back then. So if they were you know painting him in that light as a heel and turning on the fans, I'm sure I'm sure it would work because like you said, Ricky was so talented. He can, he can do, you know, pretty much anything, I'm sure. Uh, a question, uh, Joe, uh, we have Yana ask you, and I'll ask you, Jay, at, at the same time. When I think of the WWF Intercontinental title, and I was, I was thinking about this on the drive up to work today, when I'm thinking about the WWF Intercontinental title, one of the first people that come to my mind is Ricky Steamboat. And if you think about it, though, it's weird because he only held the belt for like two months or, or, or however long it was. It was extremely short. But for some reason, when I think of that title, I think of him. You, do you guys feel the same way about that? Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um, it doesn't matter how long the reign was, but I think um, from that time period, he was he was one of the most iconic IC champions. Just uh, the way he carried that belt, he had some great matches, a um, couple of good feuds. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say I always think of Steamboat, Savage. Uh, you know, even guys from a little earlier, like Santana and Valentine, who uh, who had some great runs as well. I know that was a little earlier, but uh, 
from that mid to, to late 80s period, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a reason why Steamboat stands out, like you said, even though uh, the rain wasn't really that long. I, I think it has a lot to I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people who know the business call that uh, the worker's title, the wrestler's title, because the guy who carries that oftentimes has the the strongest match on the card. And I think Ricky's the type of performer who could have a great match with just about anybody. And I think the fact that his Intercontinental Championship run is tied in with that WrestleMania three classic against Savage, I think that cements his reign, even though it was short, it cements it as one of the most important uh, IC reigns in the history of the belt. And so I agree with both of you when that title comes to mind and you're going to name the people that you remember holding it, he's going to be on your very short list. He's going to be one of the first names that come into mind. Yeah. Yeah. definitely. Joe, real quick too, since we have you on, we're talking about, you were just talking about how you thought of some of the older names that held the Intercontinental title. We just announced on our virtual signing this past Monday night, we're, I'm starting to more aggressively plan now for the 80s Wrestling Con Live next May, uh, May 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. And uh, we already announced that Jesse the Body Ventura is going to be appearing. And one of the cool things we're going to do is a Intercontinental Championship photo op where you can hold the Intercontinental title in the middle, and on one side is Greg Valentine tugging at it, and the other side is Tito Santana tugging at it. So we're going to do that uh, photo op at uh, 80s Wrestling Con next May. That's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Valentine and Santana, uh, you know, what a, what a great feud they had, and those are two of the, the iconic IC champions of all time. Uh, you know, that, that, that's going to be a classic picture for sure. Awesome. Well, Joe, again, we appreciate you calling in, man. You're always welcome to call in. We always enjoy talking to you, and I uh, hope you have a good day, brother. You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Joe. People are passionate about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Tommy. I absolutely love listening to fans talk with as much passion today about something that happened so many years ago. Like, you can tell it just connected with fans at a different level, and that's why I love having this conversation each and every week with you, brother. You too, man. Listen, the slam line is lighting up. We've had a caller who's been waiting on hold uh, as we finished up our conversation with Joe from Long Island. So we're going to jump into our next caller. Caller, welcome to the show. What's your name and where are you calling from? <laughs> caller, are you there? Hey, I, I think you got a bad connection, man. You might want to try and call back the show. Hello? Oh, that call just dropped off the line. Like Tommy says, maybe a bad connection. I know he was calling from the 862 area code. So if you're still listening, feel free to give us a call back. Those of you that are listening live on Block Talk Radio, the guest call-in number is 516 595 8295 and our caller is trying again let's go back to this slam line hello welcome to the show what's your name and where are you calling from uh my name is cliff from rockaway new jersey hey big cliff you're hey, one of Tommy. our regulars as well what's going on man nothing i just saw the ad on facebook so i decided to call awesome yeah we're talking about the career of one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time today cliff 
Ricky the yep. Dragon Steamboat. Now, I know for sure he was one of your favorites growing up. Cliff, tell us some of your memories of, of Ricky growing up as a kid. Um, I guess I started after Ricky won um, Rookie of the Year, um, wrestler of the year. Um, the thing is that the matches with um, Ric Flair and uh, WrestleMania three uh, match against uh, Macho Man were the best matches he ever had. Oh yeah, definitely. And we were Cliff. We were just actually talking to our previous caller, and and I made mention how when I think of the WWF Intercontinental Title, Ricky's one yeah. of the first people that pop into my head. But he's only held the belt. He only held the belt for a short, short, short period of time. Do, do you do you feel the same way when you think of the Intercontinental Title? Ricky's one of the guys that that first come to your mind. Um. Yeah, I do. Um. I think he was very uh, technical in what he was doing. I mean, he was very sound in all his moves, but yet he was, I mean, I don't think I can see him as a, as a heel. Like the guy was previously talking about where they were trying to make him a heel. He wanted to be a heel, but I don't know. He just had that Bruce Lee persona that, you know, he was the good guy that I don't think he could have portrayed as a heel. Absolutely, man. And uh, before we let you go, Cliff, I wanted to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here and just give me the first name, the first name that comes to your mind. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, in his prime, right now in 2021, you have Steamboat in his prime, anyone in the business, who would you put him against? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> on, on, on one of the current wrestlers from one of the current promotions. Oh, oh, oh from now? Yeah, right now. Who would um, you put Steamboat with right now? To tell you the truth, I'll put him against The Rock. The Rock. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I will, I will put him against the Rock um, because I like to see that angle and you know how Rock had went both heel and face. I will put him against the Rock just as a that would be a, a twenty minute bout right there and that will go to the end and I think uh, Ricky could take him in his prime. Nice. Well, Cliff, as always, we appreciate you calling in, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon at the Wrestling Collector. I know you'll be here this weekend. We have Hop Coo this Saturday. I'll be there on Sunday. I'll be there Sunday. I won't be there Saturday. Okay, well, we'll see you Sunday with Jimmy Hart and uh, Typhoon. All righty. All right, man. See you soon. All right. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. Now, 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 Jay, let's continue this conversation real quickly. I, I had mentioned to him – uh, anyone currently, I meant on the current roster. I mean, rocks, that would be, you know, phenomenal, but, uh, anyone that's currently in the WWF, WWE or AEW or one of the other promotions, if I'm thinking that Ricky, this dragon Simo in his prime, you know, uh, for some reason, Seth Rollins pops into my mind real quickly. When I, when I think of someone against Ricky Steamboat, how about Roman Reigns? He's doing such a phenomenal job as a heel and, and Steamboat was just such a, a baby face. Can you imagine how great that match would be? I, I think those are those are two fine choices. When you ask the question uh, to Big Cliff from Rockaway, uh, I was the first name that popped in my mind was Seth Rollins because I thought those two similar builds. They're both quick. They could have a great technical match. It would be uh, entertaining from bell to bell. I think Roman Reigns is a fine choice. Now that I've had you know a minute and a half to kind of put my brain on it. I think an interesting matchup would be a face, of course, a baby face steamboat 
versus the heel Brock Lesnar. I nice. think I think the contrast in size, but yet the fact that Brock Lesnar is an athletic beast, like he can go. And so I would love to see an undersized steamboat find a way to to fight from underneath a big heel Brock Lesnar. I think that would be entertaining to watch. I love that idea, man. Let, let's yeah. stay on this topic for a second. So, I mean, and it's fun to, and, and when, when you're, you know, when you're our age and you, you grow up watching the guys from the 80s and, you know, and, and I'll say, Jay said it, anyone from this era will say that wrestling isn't like it used to be back in the day. But the, today's wrestlers are just so extremely talented. It's not, it's not the wrestlers. It's, it's how they present them in, in the storylines and whatever else. It's, it's not the wrestlers. Because it's, the talent today, man, is, is more phenomenal than ever, ever before. So, you know, if you can think of, you can have in your, your favorites from a kid, you know, in their prime right now, what matches, dream matches, you know, people love talking about dream matches. But yeah, I love that idea of Brock Lesnar against the baby face Ricky Steamboat fighting from, from underneath. And, and you're thinking about, you look, look over AEW, you know, how awesome would a Ricky Steamboat Daniel Bryan match be? How awesome would a, a Ricky Steamboat CM Punk match be? it's cool to think about your favorites as a child and their prime right now against today's guys and how great they would be. You know, yeah, you could make an entire show out of fantasy booking and kind of saying, you know, who's the best from what generation, how they would match up. You brought up some very good names from the world of all elite wrestling. And so I would think if I had to choose right now where to plug a prime Ricky Steamboat in, I hate to go against the mothership here, but I think I would plug him into the AEW lineup because I think there's just guys that could really put on a solid performance with a Ricky the Dragon steamboat. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, man. And and, and you know you're 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 uh, drifting a little bit from the mothership, like you said. But guess what? So am I because you know now me you know being at you know the wrestling store every day. You know, and I have a TV playing wrestling all day. I finally have had an opportunity to to catch up on, you know, AEW because I, I really didn't start. I didn't really start paying attention to it much, Jay, until CM Punk uh, showed up. And once CM sure. Punk showed up, I, I started, you know, checking it out here and there a little bit just to see what's going on. And and I tell you what, man, the, the crowd. I don't. I don't know, Jay. We never really. We never spoke about this. I don't. And I don't know if if you saw much of it, but. Uh, the crowd is electric, like back, like it reminds me of like the hot crowd from like uh, WCW Nitro. It, it just, it used to feel that excitement in the crowd and, and they're presenting something completely fresh and completely different than WWE is right now. And I had this conversation with, with people that come in. I'm, I'm sorry, we're getting off topic for a second, but it's okay. Um, I have this conversation with people that come into the store all the time I say to them, WWE is not that stupid. Like they've gotten rid of Daniel Bryan. They've gotten well. They didn't get rid of him. He, he didn't resign. Um, you know, they let go of uh, Bray Wyatt. They let go of Braun Strowman. First of all, in my opinion, I don't think that they would ever, 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 ever get rid of uh, or release these guys. I mean. I'd pay them to sit home, just not to go to competition. Like Daniel Bryan, when his contract came up, like, dude, they would have thrown, they would have thrown Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan a million dollars and said, 
hey, listen, if you feel like doing something, let us know, just so he doesn't go to the competition. So I, I find it odd that, you know, all these guys are leaving, like Big Show is a WWE for Life guy, Mark Henry was a WWE for Life guy, you know, uh, Christian was in the Royal Rumble, and then, uh, you know, he, he, he would have been, he would have fit perfectly into the Edge storyline in the build to WrestleMania, and then he went to AEW. Um, Sting went there. I mean, there's a list of guys. But uh, it, I just find it, I find it weird because I just don't think that WWE is that stupid. And if they are, if, they're, if they really are getting rid of these people, um, they're really, 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 really extremely out of touch in 2021. But I don't know if that's the case, Jay. So if I'm thinking three different options that they're getting rid of all this talent and either one, they're selling the company and they're trying to, to, to get stuff off the, the books to make it look better uh, for the sale. Uh, two, I think that there's a possibility that, and this is no conspiracy theory. I, I really believe that WWE, if, 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 I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're not that stupid to get rid of all this talent. So my second theory is that they own AEW and the billionaire, you know, there's not that many billionaires in this world. And uh, Vince and, 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 and him, maybe they know each other. Maybe they had an agreement. Maybe Vince was tired of um, not having any competition, wanted to freshen up the business again and, you know, re- are releasing talent to go over there to build that up so they have competition. Or three, WWE releasing this talent knows that AW is going to pick up a lot of it, hopefully too much, and they belly up and, and go out. But they're not going to belly up and go out because they're billionaires. So I don't know what, I don't know what the scenario is. I, and, again, they, maybe they don't own it. I'm just saying. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to justify why WWE would get rid of all this talent. And I don't know how we got to this topic. I'm sorry that I'm off topic, but – Hopefully what I'm saying uh, at least makes sense, but I, I just don't see how they would do that. So uh, I, I think in the next year, I, I think you're going to see I – w- I wouldn't be surprised to see AEW go ahead of WWE in, in the ratings, absolutely. It's, it's an exciting time for wrestling fans because, like you said, we really haven't felt this excitement level around the sport <laughs> since the Monday night wars and everyone knows that pro wrestling is, is a, a circular, a secular uh, business where you have highs, you have lows, you have highs, you have lows. And it feels like we've been riding out a low for a little bit of time now. And so the emergence of AEW and the excitement behind it rejuvenates the interest in the sport and whatever rejuvenates the interest in the sport is good for the sport. And it's entirely I 100% agree with you that AEW seems to be, at this point, outplaying the world wrestling entertainment, and it looks like they're poised to take, to take over and kind of run as the lead dog. The reasons behind that, I have no idea what the mindset is. You offered up some pretty good uh, guesses. My only fear with AEW is that they grow too fast, too soon, and then they start falling apart within, kind of like we hear about happened in WCW. They kind of got too big, too soon. Who was calling the shots? And eventually that can be a disease that eats a company from the inside uh, out. But only tell, time will tell, Tommy. I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't think that will happen because I think right now, if, if you know, 95, 98% of the talent 
maybe even a hundred percent of the talent, you know, they have creativity inside of them. They want to, they're, they're artists. They want to, they're performers. They want to, they want to, you know, they're probably, you know, in my opinion, anyway, I think WWE and you know me, Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm a gigantic, gigantic supporter of WWE, but I think that it's so stale right now that, you know, I can, I can tune in. I cannot watch wrestling for WWE for six months and I'll tune back in and you'll see, you'll still see that Usos tag team match against, you know, this guy and this guy, like it's be the same match, whether you watch it now or you watch it six months from now, like they don't give you a, a reason to, to want to tune in. And, and I want a reason to tune in. I want to watch it. I want to be excited. But the days of, you know, the attitude era where you're sitting at the edge of your, you know, couch, you know, with your, your mouth wide open and your jaw hit in the floor because it was such a cliffhanger ending that you couldn't wait to the following week to, to tune in and see what was going to happen next with Vince McMahon and, and Stone Cold. Like, dude, those days are long gone. So um, there's just no, there's no, excitement behind it there's no is i don't know I, I just think that i'm just saying that for the first time in a long 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 time uh, i'm starting to pay attention again um and it's not just because i have a wrestling star it's because i i hear the buzz and i watch it and i see so many wrestling fans excited and it gets you excited because you want to be excited about the wrestling business. You don't want to sit there and watch a steel product and you don't want to, you don't want to shit on the product and talk bad about it because that's not being a wrestling fan. You know, if you're disgruntled about it, that's fine, but you want to, you want to, you want to enjoy watching it. So I think that they're giving wrestling fans that were, you know, losing hope on ever enjoying wrestling again, just because the WWE product has been so stale in recent years it gives them a glimpse of hope that they can still, you know, have something to look forward to. And I, I think that's a good thing. And I think that the talent in the WWE watching AEW, because you damn sure, well, they are watching it every week. They're probably thinking to themselves in their head, man, how cool would it be if I was on that show? I wonder what they would do with me, like, especially guys that are being misused in the WWE. So I don't, I don't think as long as, as they, do things right, AW, as far as the finances go and uh, promotion go, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to get a ton of fresh talent over the next couple of years there because eventually WWE wrestlers' contracts are going to come up and you're seeing a lot of these guys go over there right now and I'm sure that there's a lot more to come. I say time will tell, but you're right. Uh, wrestling is starting to slowly become that must-see action again, and we haven't felt that level of excitement in some time. And so as a wrestling fan, I'm interested to see where it goes, but only time will tell. And so we'll have to play the wait-and-see game on that. But, yeah, I agree. It has definitely got rumblings uh, of feeling a little bit like the Monday Night Wars where there's that, that must-see aspect coming back to wrestling. Let me let me ask you a question real quick. Again, sorry we're off topic, but this is an interesting conversation. Are you? I know you're like me, Jay. You really haven't watched you know WWE programming in you know in recent years. I know that you you're like me. You you read more about it online than than you do watching it. But have you tuned in recently to AEW through reading about it through the different websites you might visit to see the wrestling news? Like you're, you're hearing all these rumblings. Are you tuning in? Because that, that that's what made me tune in. Listen, I will tell you, uh, the honest truth is you read some things, you hear about CM Punk's return, you hear about these guys popping up on the roster, 
you hear about the insane amount of talent that's there. And so for the first time in a long time, I've actually set my DVR to wrestling and I'm recording AEW. And so if I have a little bit of time, I won't sit down and watch the whole show because life is too busy for that, unfortunately now, but I will, I will check out highlights for sure. And so, yeah, kind of like you're saying, there's that thing that is peaking interest again. And so, yeah, yeah, wrestling is back on my DVR for the first time in a while. And so that in of itself is kind of exciting. Yeah. Maybe, say, you know, if you and I are doing it, others are probably doing it. And so it's probably a good uh, a test that, yeah, something exciting is going to happen in the industry. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree with you. I'm sorry that we got off topic. I, th- I think you mentioned that Steamboat would be a better fit in AEW and just that. And then boom, up. there we and were. Boom. But I, I, I've been wanting to say it for a while, though, because I, I was going to, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I, I, I'm starting to DVR wrestling again, and I, I haven't done that in years. So right. it, it, it's cool. I, I hope they continue to, to be successful, and I, and I hope that WWE wakes up and smells the coffee and, 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 and comes fighting back because they need something because AEW is riding a, a, a momentum wave right now. So uh, WWE needs to switch up something and do something different. But let's get, let's get back to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. We're talking about his fantastic career. We're talking about uh, his, uh, we're talking about him and Jim Crockett and then him coming to WWE in 1985. One of the first feuds Ricky had was with Don Morocco and, and these guys had a great rivalry. They had great matches. I remember uh, Saturday night's main event where it was Ricky Steamboat and the Junkyard Dog teaming up against Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji. I remember Don Morocco hanging uh, Steamboat from, I, I believe it was Fuji's belt. And I also remember Ricky Steamboat taking on Mr. Fuji in a tuxedo match as well, uh, or, or it was a mixed tag or something like that. But I just remember a long rivalry between uh, Steamboat and Morocco in, in that early uh, WWF run. And, and it was great, great stuff. You know, what's wild is our last caller we had, Big Cliff from Rockaway, didn't he say the match he'd like to see was Steamboat versus The Rock? And now you're talking about it. A different <laughs> Rock, but I think kind of came full Johnson. circle there. I think, I think and, he and was to be honest with to you, Wayne Johnson. To be honest with you, Don Morocco, strong, powerful guy, not the same athletic ability as a modern-day Brock Lesnar. But when I said I wanted to see Steamboat fight a massively strong heel, uh, you kind of had it there in the early days of the World Wrestling Federation. So even then, they knew that that babyface fighting from underneath a bigger, stronger adversary, that makes for a great wrestling match. Absolutely, man. And Morocco was a a great... Uh, first uh, big rivalry for for Ricky in the WWF, and uh, another thing that I remember early about Ricky's WWF run was the Wrestling Classic tournament that they had, and his, his classic match. And again, back then, you really didn't see baby faces wrestle each other that much. And the opening round was Ricky Steamboat against Davy Boy Smith. It was two fan favorites, super rare match. And uh, that, that's one of my early memories of Ricky in the, the WWF. The slam line continues to light up when we go back to the topic at hand, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. We're going to jump into the next caller on the slam line coming from the Great White North Canada. It is our friend, David. David, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, brother? 
I'm great, Jay. Tommy, always good to talk to you. I'm I start. I'm really looking forward to this every week now. It's uh, it's, it's you know the best part of my Thursday. Let's put it that way. Wow, that's that's dude. That's that makes me happy to hear that, man. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know it's good times. So the the one thing that I was thinking that that stands out to me, honestly, I know we probably talked about a lot of the stuff already, but it was his sort of contributions to wrestling after his sort of main career was done, right? I mean, here's somebody who, who worked uh, with some wrestlers in Ring of Honor for a bit. Uh, he was very influential in uh, CM Punk's career in that respect. Uh, he also got involved in NXT uh, for a bit, coaching there until, uh, until his son, like while his son was there as well, helping out. And I think he's such a great technical wrestler uh, in, in everything that he did. And to be able to sort of carry that forward and sort of pay it forward to the next generation... I think that's that's something that's lost a little bit, and you know, because I feel he's very underappreciated for everything that he gave to the business, and I want to recognize that. Yeah, I, I agree. With, I agree with you, David. I mean, it's 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 completely. You know, we t- you talk about wrestlers that are underrated and overrated, and it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard to say that Ricky was underrated because he had such a. Uh, a long, fantastic career, uh, but it, it, in my opinion, he you know he he had a better run in the NWA than he did in in the WWF, and, and, and by no stretch of the imagination did did Ricky have a bad run in WWF. I mean, he he was he was one of their top baby faces during that boom period. Uh, but you think of him coming back in the early '90s as the Dragon, you know, breathing the fire, and it just I don't know, just I just feel like. And again, I thought that was I thought that was cool because it, it, it added a, a layer and depth to his character. So I, I think that I, I'm sure that second run he could have been used. The second run he definitely could have been used a lot, lot better, especially coming off as the the NWA World Champion. Uh, but I think his first run in WWF, I think that he was right where he needed to be. And Jay, I want you to to chime in on this too because I mean that during that they, during that time it was Hulk Hogan. He it was Hulk Hogan. It was his he was the big star. So there was no one that was going to get higher than him, and, and no one should have gotten higher than him at that point. But I think that Ricky was a great, great, great supporting babyface underneath. So I think that his position on the card, the first one was perfect. I think that his big run was in the NWA. I think that when he came back to WWF and they gave him the dragon and it really didn't go anywhere, I think that that's when he was very, very underutilized and why people might think, overall that he was an underrated talent because that's the last thing they remember him doing. What's, what's your take on both of these guys? Well, I, I think well, David's I say, point oh, about Ricky being kind of underappreciated after the fact with his contributions behind the scenes, I, I would venture to guess part of that has to do with pro wrestling is an industry of alpha males who have big egos And my impression of Ricky is that he is actually a very humble, genuine guy. And so I think behind the scenes, he might not be putting himself over like other people might be in a similar situation. So I think he has a genuine love for the business. He's a humble guy. He loves the business to the point where he appreciates anyone willing to put their body on the line for the business. And so I think he kind of passes on to the next generation out of a love for the industry and not to get himself over. And so I think the fact that maybe he's a legit humble guy in a land of egos plays a part in that. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely probably the thing, uh, for sure. He definitely certainly comes across that way in any interviews I've seen with him or when he's you know, talking about his career or anything like that. And I guess, I guess my, my word wouldn't necessarily be that he was underrated overall. I think he's more underappreciated for, for, you know, for his career and for what he's done in the business. Because, you know, when people start mentioning, you know, even from the 80s and the, what those, that, that period, right, really you talk about WrestleMania three and that match, which is obviously fantastic. But there's, you know, there's not a lot of mention of him right at the beginning. You know, it's, you're talking Hogan, you're talking Savage, you're talking, you know, people, you're talking Warrior, you're talking people like that. And then you start getting to Steamboat. But overall, so I would say, was he underrated? No, but I think underappreciated is more sort of where I'm coming from with, with, with him. And what's interesting is a lot of the times if you hear interviews from other performers, they often refer to Ricky Steamboat as one of their favorite people to work with because of his in-ring ability and also his personality outside of the ring. And so you know what, at the heart of the matter, he's a good guy who is an outstanding performer, but I just don't think he was playing the, the, the politics behind the scenes that maybe if he would have, he'd be more remembered by fans as not being underappreciative, but more of the, the, the mainstay guy. But from the wrestlers of that era, I think they hold him to such a high standard that that speaks volumes about the kind of guy he was. Absolutely. Hey, and one more question for both of you guys. If, if you guys were in charge of booking WWF at that time, so he had that first run during the boom period of the WWF, and then he went to the NWA, had a fantastic run with Ricky Steamboat, was the NWA world champion, comes back to the WWF now. Uh, how would you guys – how would you guys would have brought him back in? Would it have been under that costume as a dragon or how would you guys would have gone about bringing him back? You know, that's a, it's, it's a tough one because I, but I think, I think he would have had to have played up more, you know, what he did in another promotion, which I know um, is not something they, they, you know, either really did. Uh, obviously they're doing it a little bit now with some cross promotion that AEW does. And I think I think I wish I, he was wrestling now because I think he'd be great. How cool they have! But uh, I think it's you know if you bring him in as you know some sort of maybe outsider figure who's who's you know you could you, maybe even you did you do do the heel turn, right? And and bring him in as a heel from you know this other promotion. I think I think that it might have I don't know if it would have worked, but I think it would have been interesting to try it. Yeah, it's an interesting question, and it's an interesting time because, uh, like David referenced, at that time, the World Wrestling Federation did not like to acknowledge anything you did away from their company. And so he couldn't really come in with the momentum of the terrific matches he was having in the NWA. And so, yeah, you got to bring him in, and this is also a time period where they're pushing characters, and so they feel like the Dragon's a nice nickname, but we got to make it a little more marketable for merchandising and so they put him in the costume have him breathe fire and so i think they were probably coming from a merchandising standpoint when they made that decision if you could bring him in and somehow do that heel turn that might have been the time to have a go at it i would agree with you guys that might have been the time that you could have maybe switched him in the minds of the fans Interesting. Well, I, I, I enjoy listening to your uh, both your takes on that. Hey, man, thank you so much for calling in, as always, and I hope you make it a regular habit of calling in every Thursday. We enjoy talking to you. 
All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate one, it. One last question before you go. You. One last question before you go. How is your uh, sure. How is your Ultimate Warrior drawstring uh, figure doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I could just find him, it'd be great. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's hanging out in parts unknown, Tommy. We can't find him, but he's, he's, <laughs> somebody's got him in the hallways up there in Canada. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you again for calling. Keep up the uh, fantastic art on your Instagram page, man. I've been loving seeing this stuff coming through. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thank and you, I'll man. Be Have a good one. Uh, Tommy Clay soon for another signing. Awesome. Sounds good, brother. Yeah. All right. Listen, man, that talks your international appeal of the dragon, Ricky Steamboat. We got people in Canada that are calling in to share their memories of Rick and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I love it, man. Yeah, I, I mean, we can, again, it, it, this is another guy that we can just go on and on and on talking about for a long time. He did so much fantastic stuff in his career. You know, he, he was pretty much everywhere from, you know, WWF, WCW, you know, New Japan, you know, back to WCW again. Uh, he, he did a lot in this business. He even came back and wrestled at a WrestleMania in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tag against teaming up with, uh, I believe it was Piper and Snuka against Chris Jericho. Yep. I mean, he, had a, he had just a, a fantastic uh, career. And I, I do wish that uh, his praise was sung a little bit more than it is because I do think overall um, he gets overlooked sometimes for his contributions to the business. And I think that, you know, he'll go down by people that are in the industry as one of the greatest ever. Listen, can you imagine how the landscape of the World Wrestling Federation would be different had he stuck around after that, that first initial run, after he beat Savage, then he dropped the title, and then I know he stepped away for family time. Can you imagine how the next five to ten years would have looked differently in the World Wrestling Federation had he stayed? Think of all the, the amazing matches and angles that could have been run if he would have held on that title longer had the rematch with Savage on a main event type stage and then went on to take on some of the other people, like it would have completely changed the world wrestling federation from what we know it is. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, uh, it was a, it was a great career he had and I had the pleasure of actually working with him a few times in the past at a couple of my conventions. And, uh, he's an extremely, I, th- I think I had three times extremely, Extremely nice, uh, nice man, and, and very professional. And he always does very, very good uh, with with, uh, with appearances. So uh, definitely one of the, the the best to ever do it. And I'd love to have him uh, for an upcoming virtual signing or in person signing. But right now he's only uh, traveling via car uh, to appearances. And sure. uh, unfortunately, Jersey's a little far up. But I'm, I'm sure from, he, he resides in Florida. Is that right? No, North, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure, I'm sure sometime in the future we'll definitely cross paths again, but uh, yeah, man. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Jay, while we were talking earlier, I think that a cool topic for next week's episode uh, would be dream matches. So we can Ooh. look at uh, any aspect you want. It could have been guys in the eighties that were in WCW, uh, NWA and WWF that never wrestled each other before. It could be a wrestler in their prime back then right now against the current guy, anything you want. I think an eighties wrestling dream match episode uh, would be a cool one for next week's show. 
Let's do it, man. I'm down. We'll talk dream matches, dream bookings. So if you're listening this week, be sure to call actually, me next week. Should let's let's keep it strictly to eighties. Let's keep it strictly to eighties. So you could book any dream matches. It could be like just say for example, you know, uh Hulk Hogan against Nikita Koloff. It never happened. Ooh. So matches like that, I mean, you know. Let's do it. I got a couple right off the bat, but I'm not gonna share them now. I'm gonna save them. I'm gonna put them in the holster. But I'm gonna before do my, we wrap I'm gonna up, Tommy. I'm going to do my homework over the weekend. I've got a list, man. I've already – because all i got to do is i got to think back to the, my younger days when I would bust out my Hasbro figures, and I'd have matches with the Hasbros. i just got to remember some of the, the cards I booked then and, and bring them to the conversation. But before we wrap up, Tommy, I just – as we were talking to David from Canada, I mentioned that the reason I think they brought him back in the, the steamboat, the, the dragon costume – was a marketing purpose. And so here's my question for you. Owning the Wrestling Collector Superstore, do you have any Ricky the Dragon Steamboat merchandise, either currently or you've had it pass through the store? Uh, and do you, like, w- what kind of Steamboat stuff have you seen come through your door? I've had, well, obviously we had some loose uh, Hasbro and LGN Ricky Steamboat figures. I have... We have over 3,500 magazines, so there's definitely uh, definitely covers with Ricky on them. We've had uh, Ricky the Dragon, a couple of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, the old, uh, remember the old pins that they used to sell? The WWF oh, sure. Yeah, We had some of those. Uh, I recently saw Ricky Steamboat's headband uh, that came in and left really quick. So yeah, we he, he definitely had some merchandise back then. I, I remember the the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat poster, the the black background with like the with the uh, writing at the bottom, and also uh, uh, it was a two pack of WWF soap, and on one side was Hogan, and on the other side was Ricky Steamboat, and there was I believe he was part of one of their puzzles as well. Right, so he was, you know, he, there was definitely tons of merchandise on Ricky Steamboat uh, throughout his career. Absolutely. I'm going to say an unpopular opinion among, well, maybe it's a popular opinion. I have no idea, but it's my opinion among uh, collectibles. I am not a huge fan of the LJN, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I feel like they could have done a little better job with that. It's just an okay likeness of him, an okay figure. I would like to have seen it maybe a little different, but that's just my take on it. Yeah, I don't know if they were... No, you're right. I think they could have done a better job. And I, I don't know. It's kind of cool with the wings on the back, the back of it, whatever. But um, that could be the another. Wings on the back of it. I'm talking about the LJN rubber one. Oh, LJ. I'm sorry. This is Hasbro. No, no. The Hasbro figure looks good. I'm, I'm talking about the, the original LJN. They have them in black boots, black trunks. It's just there's just not a lot like, of pop okay. What did what did you want him in a tuxedo? It's a it's black boots. It's black pants. There's no like pop of red anywhere. No red headband. I think the headband's black too. I just Hold think on. it's. Hold on one second here. Don't you go anywhere yet. I'm Googling this right now. All Ricky right. Ricky LJN. Yeah, it's just an okay. It's just an okay LJN. Listen, I love LJNs and I've been, I've been blessed over the last couple of years to get most of them. There are still some big ticket ones that I'm missing. And LJN for me the poses and the likenesses were either hit or miss. You'd get some guys in really good poses that you could use when you were wrestling with them as a kid. You, you have some that are 
not in the great poses makes it hard for them to be uh, an active in like a wrestling situation. Some of them are just like posing for the sake of posing. Uh, and I feel like some of them, they did a great job in, in sculpting the likeness and getting the attire down. I just feel like this figure they left is lacking just a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, Jay, and you're right. There's not a hint of red in this. So let me ask you a question. If the boots were white and the headband was red, would that be better for you? Because I'm looking at the figure right now. I think he's got a, a – I think that the stance he's had with the, the hand up kind of looks like a karate stance kind of. And I think that he looks like Ricky Stimo. So my question to you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Picky One, is if his boots were white and the headband was red, would you feel a little bit more comfortable to share Ricky the Dragon Steamboat LJN with your kids? I mean, my kid – my kids have, have played with – it's not that I wouldn't share with my kids, but, yeah, I think they could have done him a little more justice. A pop, the, re, the headband should have been red, in my opinion. I got to look at what year this came out, because if I was picking today, I'd put him in red trunks, too. I'd put him in red trunks with a red headband. Jay, are you, in front, are you in front of your computer right now? Yeah, I'm in front of my computer. Hey, go, go on Google real quick and type in Ricky Steamboat, uh, Ricky Steamboat LJN and go to the images – there's a couple customs that has red pants with black trunks. It looks really cool. So look, I agree. I, yep, look at it. I just, you yeah, are right. Okay, so yeah. I, 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 well, red look, look, when, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let me apologize. Jumping Jay, you were right. I made a mistake. I think they could have done a better job with this figure after you just said that. After I Googled it and I yeah. saw a different, a different color on it, you're right. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Well, thanks for, for typing in, for letting me type that in, because, yeah, now that I see that somebody customized it with red trunks, it looks fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if I ever create a line of ISPW wrestling figures, brother, I'm putting you in charge. Dude, I, I appreciate that. Look, at I, I'm scrolling. Now you got me scrolling down to custom Steamboat LJNs. Somebody customized their LJN into the Dragon costume. From the '90s, I don't know. Oh, I just I'm looking at that one right now. Yeah, that's. I don't know cool, how he man. did it, but that looks that looks great too. And then yeah, I'm scrolling through this stuff too. You see the, we forgot to mention the Ricky Steamboat Bendy and the Ricky Steamboat Thumb Wrestler as well. Listen, man, the Bendies and the we could have a whole show on wrestling figures because the the Bendies and the Thumb Wrestlers. Thumb wrestlers were the first wrestling figure that I had that you could actually use them to put somebody in a sharpshooter or a small package. And so I didn't even use them as thumb wrestlers. I actually used them as wrestling figures, and you could put people in different holds. So, yeah, I'll we should do what, a whole show on that. Look, this is an interesting topic, man. Do you want to put the, the dream matches on hold and do LJN, Bendy's, and Hasbro's next week here on the show? Dude, I'm good either way. I Both of those excite me, so I'll let you pick which I route think we go. Let's do the figures, the figures of the 80s next week. Okay. 80s wrestling figures. I love it. Oh, because yeah, that way you got the AWA ones. You got, oh, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Let's do that next week. Oh, this is going to be exciting because I would love to talk to you about the AWA ones and see if you have any in, in, the, in the shop. I got, I got a couple of them in my toy bin downstairs, but, yeah. And, and, and the, wrestling oh, figures are hot, man. The collecting ability on those things, people love and, them. And the cool part is, Jay, it can be brought to you by the Wrestling Collector in <laughs> Stockholm, New Jersey. And again, this weekend, guys, uh, Haku will be in the store, 2 to 5 p.m. 
on Sunday, Jimmy Hart Typhoon from 12 to 3. And if you're not in the area and you'd like to get an autographed picture of Haku, Jimmy Hart, or Typhoon, you can head over to our website, 80swrestlingcon.com now, and uh, we can have them sign the photo for you this weekend, and we'll ship it out to you next. Again, uh, if you are interested in joining our Pro Wrestling Magazine Club and getting a mystery envelope of autographed pictures in the mail, head over to our store's website, thewrestlingcollector.com, and check that out. It's thewrestlingcollector.com. Until then, Jay, I will be sure to tell Haku, Jimmy Hart, and Typhoon, hello to you, and uh, hello from you, I'm sorry, and get you some signed swag to ship over there to Minnesota, as I always Love do. Love it. And I uh, hope everyone has a great weekend. Hope to see some of you guys at the store this weekend. And next week's topic, Jay, hit him with it for the finish. 80s wrestling figures. We're talking Hasbro's, LJN's, Bendy's, Thumb, AWA, NWA, WWF. If you played with it in the 80s, we want to hear about it next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Take care, guys.